Hey, everybody, this is Brennan Gone, old driver of the number 62 in NASCAR, and you're listening to the Quick Pick. Ah! Welcome back to the Quick Bit Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan. Joined, as always, by Connor. We're back for another week on the show. Start off, Connor, how are you doing today? Well, doing better today than I was on Monday when uh, Alex Bowman wrecked. But, um, yeah, it was a really good race a race for me. But, uh, yeah, we'll get into that here. But it was let's a rough with... weekend for you, Connor. True. I had other sports that did not go well. But, we won't talk about that. We'll be talking about NASCAR. But before we begin, let's hear a word from our sponsor, Zen season up-and-coming YouTuber, uh, friends and partners with the channel, super nice guy, does informational NASCAR videos like what-ifs, uh, silly season updates, playoff updates, and all sorts of things. Um, very good YouTuber. We all know what makes or breaks a YouTuber is their editing and audio, and he is great at both of those. So make sure you go follow him on YouTube, subscribe to his channel. Follow him on Twitter. Links for those will be in the description. It's worth your time. It's worth a follow. Um, you don't want to miss any of his content. Yes, indeed. His videos are amazing. All right. So, Talladega this weekend did not run on Sunday. Got rained out. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, ran on Monday and got delayed due to rain. We'll break down the top 10 before we get into anything else. I'll start off with number 10, Anthony Alfredo. It's his first career top 10. Driving the 38 car for Front Row Motorsports. Um, he has definitely struggled this year, but it's good to see him get a top 10. Yes, coming in ninth is the 43 car of Eric Jones. He's going back to Richard Petty Motorsports next year. And that's actually been very good as recently. I feel like he's slowly gaining momentum as the year's gone on and hopefully can carry this momentum into the 2022 season. Very good run for Eric Jones and that team. I agree with you. He has seemed very, very consistent the last couple of races. Um, he, he definitely feels like he's been on a good stretch. Oh, he got a top 10 at Bristol just a couple of weeks ago, so pretty good run for him. Coming in eighth place, as I get back over to the results, is Kevin Harvick. He was leading right there at the end, right up there in the mix before he got shuffled back a little bit. But once again, another top 10, and he just keeps piling them up, uh, and he's been so consistent this year, up to 21 top 10s now. It's really impressive when you think about it, how, you know, when you look at his teammates who are all running, like, 15th through 25th week in and week out, that he's able to drag that equipment. Now, granted, I think Kevin Harvick is better than the rest of his teammates, but he's still dragging that equipment to better finishes than he probably should. Yeah, and we know Kevin Harvick is a very good veteran and a very good race car driver. And if you want to see how uh, flawed the playoff system is, with all the top 10s he's been getting, he's had two top 10s this round. He's still below the cut line. Still below the cut line by nine points. I just think that's crazy, and I think that shows how there needs to be some adjustments to the NASCAR playoff schedule, um, which you've heard us talk about, but... I just think that's crazy, and um, he's been so good. And to be where he is in the playoff games, it's kind of like a – it's just, just not fair for him. Yeah. So coming in seventh is the 11 car of Denny Hamlin. So glad he finally didn't win. I feel like he's been winning every week at this point. 
uh, past two rounds, but uh, um, he's usually good at super speedways. He kind of dropped back to the back at the beginning, but once that rain was coming, all the drivers were like, all right, we got to go, and he was right up there and um, got a solid top 10 finish. Yes, and, you know, Hamlin definitely was not focused on winning that race. He was focused on trying to get Christopher Bell, who's in a deep points hole after lots of struggles last week at Vegas. Uh, he was definitely trying to just keep him out front, which ultimately failed. But still, strong run for Hamlin. Coming in sixth, Chris Buescher. And the first thing I'll say is that paint scheme was amazing. Purple race cars always look gorgeous. But uh, a very, very solid run for Chris Buescher. He's having a great year given his equipment for Rush Family Racing. And it's, it's good to see him perform well. Yes, coming home, starting off the top five, coming home fifth, is a 20-car Chris Rebell. And most likely he's going to need a really good finish at the Roval to advance or even win. Um, one earlier on a uh, road course this year at Daytona. But uh, a solid top five finish, and maybe this gives him some momentum heading into the Roval. In fourth is Kurt Busch, who led pretty much right up to the end before he's passed by his future teammate, who we'll get to in a moment. But another very strong run for Kurt Busch. He ran really well last race, too. So I'm sure that team is kicking themselves right now, saying, you know, if only, yeah, they finished eighth at Vegas. If only they had made it into this round, um, they would be in a really good spot. But unfortunately, they did not. And so Kurt Busch is eliminated from the playoffs, but still running very, very well. Coming up in third is a 22-car Joe Logano for Penske. And, man, Penske had a great day finishing two and third, uh, second and third. But uh, just a very solid run for Joe Logano. Always seems to stay out of trouble. And uh, it's kind of there at the end, but it always seems like he wrecks at the end. Uh, just just how that luck goes. But uh, finishes third, um, very solid, gives him a – pretty much will advance to the next round if unless something terribly wrong goes happens. Yes. Coming home in second is his teammate, as Connor just mentioned, a second and third place for Team Tanski, Brad Kozlowski, who won the spring race and finished second here at Talladega in the fall. In a very good race, was up front leading laps and unfortunately came up just short at the end, but uh, still a good run for him. Puts him in good position to advance to the next round, and he survived Talladega. One of the best to race at Talladega. Right now, one of the best active drivers at that track. With another very good run. And coming home in first, a new-time winner in the Cup Series. And, man, we thought he would win a couple races this year. It's kind of started off slow in that new team. But Bubba Wallace gets the win at Talladega this weekend and gets that team their first win. And... Denny Hamlin actually did kind of win because he won as a team owner. But uh, very happy for Bubba, deserves it. And um, I just think it's great, great for the sport, great for him. And, you know, after what happened last year, he was, you know, um, I, I just think he really deserves it since it's it's great for him and great for that team. Yeah, and you could definitely see his excitement, everyone's excitement with the win. And, you know, the first thing I thought of when they, they called the race was, I'm just glad that it didn't end under suspicious circumstances. I'm glad that they tried to dry the track before they called him the winner because it, it just helps with the conspiracy theorist, which is, those, those things are bogus. I mean, NASCAR would not rig a race for that. They might rig it for Chase Elliott, but I don't think they'd rig it for, for um, Bubba Wallace. And, you know, it's just... It's really cool to see. I'm not a huge fan of Bubba myself. I mean, I just, I don't know. 
it, you know what I mean, Connor, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we, we support him and everything. We're happy for him, but like, you know, I'm a, I'm a Chevy fan, HMS fan. Um, so but he's in a Toyota, but I'm still, I'm still happy for him. He's I like, know what you mean. He's like on the same level of like Christopher Bell, Cole Custer, you know, Ryan Blaney, yeah. guys like yeah. that, where it's like, you know, you don't, you have nothing against them, but you also don't love them either. So, you know, but it, it's really cool to see. It's definitely glad to see him win and not like Joey Logano, Brad Koslaski, because I would mess up the playoff grid more um, because the Hendrick guys really need, need some, uh, some luck to fall their way if they're going to get into the next round. But, you know, I think it's great for the sport, as Connor said. Um, you know, yesterday or not, well, yeah, yesterday for us recording on Tuesday, McDonald's changed their Twitter to uh, Bo Wallace Stan account. And I don't know if it's still like that, but they, they're, they, McDonald's is hyped about this win, um, which is really cool to see lots of eyes on the sport from that. So it's great for the sport. It's great for that team because with a win now, they'll definitely find it easier to keep uh, keep their sponsors and keep keep the momentum going for that team. So it, it, it's very good to see. Yeah, and Talladega produced three new winners this weekend. Uh, three for three new winners. We'll talk about in a minute here, but I want to get into some of the wrecks that happened, which caused some of the playoff guys to be deep in a hole going into the Roval. Um, Chase Elliott uh, backed up for a big push, was coming, and uh, gave a big shot to Ricky Stenhouse Jr., who went to a big shot to Alex Bowman. Um, and it was right before that rain was coming. The spotters were saying, rain is here. Like, they were, they were, you know, playing the radio clips over the TV, and they're saying, rain is here. And when you snow, rain is here, that means it is any second now. They're going to throw the yellow. Any, any, any millisecond, it's going to happen. So people are shoving, shoving, shoving. And uh, what Ricky Stenhouse Jr. said was Alex Bowman's car was all wiggly. It wasn't, you know, Alex Bowman himself, but it was his car just being really wiggly and, you know, the air around him. So he got – it was a huge shove. I mean, I don't think most drivers were going to be able to save it, but it was huge shove. He gets turned into the outside wall, very hard hit, which you're actually going to get into safety – NASCAR safety because we NASCAR safety has really improved and it deserves some talking about. We'll talk about it in the second segment, but huge shot to Alex Bowman's rear into the wall, uh, collects Tyler Reddick and others. Um, and just, it's going to cause Alex Bowman to go win at the Roval. And to be honest with you, there's one track that he go win at right now. I think it'd be the Charlotte Roval. He is the most, he is the best driver at the Charlotte Roval. He averages the highest finish of all other drivers. So if he, I was saying at the end of the uh, beginning of this round, if he needs a win and it's an elimination race, I would have it at the Charlotte Roval other than any other track on the NASCAR circuit. So, you know, still a rough position for Alex Bowman, but um, kind of lucky that he has a good track coming up for him and it might even rain and that um, could throw a whole nother twist into it. So we'll get that. We'll talk about the Roval in the third segment, but Alex Bowman in a hole going into the elimination race at the Roval. Bowman has finished fourth, second, and um, I don't know where I don't know where his last last or, or last year's finish was, but fourth and second that's pretty pretty good. So uh, although I I would have a hard time picking against Chase Elliott though in that situation and twelfth no not twelfth 
uh, eighth last year. So uh, second, fourth, and eighth, that's an average finish of like four and a half or something like that. So he definitely is set up to have a, a chance at a win, but we'll, we'll see. And then a couple other uh, rocks that happened. William Byron got involved in a crash that took out Matt Bernardo and others. Just another incident where it was hard pushing and uh, caused some more cars. So both HMS cars and Alex Bowman, William Byron, most likely going to need a win at the Roval. Probably need a win. But uh, these point tracks have been tightening up. We'll look in on the playoff standings right now. Uh, that bubble especially. Well, kind of every car is kind of on the bubble because all the way up in second place in Kyle Larson, he's only 22 points to the good. All the way up in second, Denny Hamlin, of course, being the only driver locked in. So below the cut line, Alex Bowman, minus 52 to the cut line, going to need a win. William Byron, minus 44 to the cut line, most likely going to need a win. Fisher Bell, minus 28 to the cut line. Kevin Harvick, minus 9 to the cut line. And above the cut line, Kyle Busch and Chase Elliott, all plus 9, with Chase Elliott being in 7th, Kyle Busch in 8th. 6th place, Ryan Blaney, plus, plus 15. Fifth place, Martin Truex Jr., plus 20, with Brad Keselowski in fourth also being plus 20. Joey Logano, plus 21, and Kyle Larson, plus 22. So I would say the only person that is more comfortable going into the Roval is Denny Hamlin because he's the only one locked in. Kyle Larson had a big points lead but got involved in a crash where it took out Ethan's favorite Xfinity driver, Justin Allgaier, who was driving the Spire 77 car. Not um, his fault. Yeah, I, I can agree with you on that one, but um, – it's just it is what it is, and uh, it's gonna be really fun to watch this weekend at the Roval. Weather is in the forecast, for what I've heard, it is currently Wednesday at four o'clock p.m. on the Eastern Coast. So right now there is a chance of weather um, that week on on this weekend. So um, could make things interesting. Um, we'll have to wait and see on that. Yes, something interesting to keep in mind: William Byron has won two polls. Uh, this season, both at road courses, but we'll get more into that in the uh, in the third segment of this week's show where we preview the Roval. But Connor, you want to jump into five and five or five and ten, which is what it turned into last week? Yes, we can start uh, with that. All right, so number five, Tate Fogelman wins the race at. Talladega in the truck series for his first career win, leading only the last lap. Only leading the last, you know, hundred, couple hundred feet. Um, I mean, it takes skill and luck to be there at the end. There was about four cars competing for that win. Well, there's other cars, but they were all beat up. But um, I mean, unbelievable. And I mean, I, I don't, I don't. I don't blame him for dumping a playoff driver and John Hunter Nemechek at all. You're going for your first career when you got to do what you got to do to get there. And people always say, I don't like to be leading on the last lap. And that's where John Hunter Nemechek was a fantastic crossover move. Uh, looked high, then looked low guy underneath them. They were kind of side by side. John Hunter Nemechek looked, they kind of, John Hunter Nemechek looked, he was coming down with Tate Fogelman going up. John Hunter Nemechek spins Tate Fogelman. And I forget who else was side by side with him at the line. And Tate Fogelman had about a car length. They both ended up wrecking past the start finish line, but he had, he did what he had to do to get a win. And I love it. And I don't blame him for uh, wrecking John Ronimichek. Gotta do what you gotta do to get that checkered flag. I will say 
Um, I don't think it was as bad of a dumping as it looked initially. I think that, um, you know, he kind of had to come up the track or else he'd be penalized for going below the double yellow line. So I think it was mostly just a racing incident. And it's cool for them, for that team as well, uh, which is actually it's not their first first win in the truck series. They won just a couple of years ago with, um, I think, Parker, uh, with Spencer Boyd in 2019, also at Talladega. So uh, it, it is cool to see a small team like that win. Yeah, and um, with him, you know, saying he got dumped, they were at the point where, like, the normal start finish line would be at the, you know, at Daytona. Um, yeah. and it was kind of like that little bend and he had to come up. So it was racing incident. And that's why I love Talladega's line being all the way at the, you know, pretty much entering turn one. So, um, good for that team. Good for him. And we love to see it. Yes. Now, number four, Brandon Brown gets his first career win at, at Talladega Super Speedway. First career win in his Xfinity Series career, uh, driving the 68 car, his own team in a light shortened race at Talladega on Saturday in the Xfinity Series. Yeah, and I just wish – I wish they started earlier. I, I – They could because of the truck race. Yeah, but, you know, make the truck race at noon instead of one, just like an hour. I, I mean, I love it for Brandon Brown. Deserves it. Family-run team. Uh, he and his dad uh, pretty much run that Let's go, Brandon. Team. Yep, and – and just great to see. I loved how he went up to his dad and gave him a big hug. It's just no great to see. He deserves it. You know, was emotional, but uh, he deserves it. And he, he's been working hard and just good for him, good for that team. And they've always been, you've always, they've been competitive at, t- at times. Um, you know, they have their ups and downs as his team, but getting that first win really, really helps them uh, going forward. So love it for that team. Love it for Brandon Brown and, Hopefully they carry some good momentum. I would love to see them once more. Yeah, so I think it's really cool for him. He was definitely ex- excited beyond belief to, to win that race, and hopefully that program can continue to get better because they've been very strong. They almost made the playoffs this year. Oh, wait, you're waiting for number three. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you're going to say something there. Number three, Joey Hand will make his NASCAR debut 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 for Rick Ware Racing in the 52 car at the Roval. Now, what's interesting about this is the fact that he is the test driver for Ford. He, he, he's part of the Ford Performance Development, Development Program or whatever they call it, and he's finally getting a chance to drive an actual race car. So, um, he has in the past, he raced, um, IMSA he's ran, um, yeah, IMSA American Le Mans stuff like that. And he's also raced in, uh, the 24 hours of Le Mans, but never in a NASCAR or in a stock car. So thoughts on that comment. I mean, I, I think it, you like to see different drivers from different sports come over. Um, and just. How much to say? I, I I like it, and I hope he does well. You know, don't want him to come here and just you know wreck the entire field or whatnot. But I, I think he'll do pretty well, and I I hope to see him succeed. And I think it's really cool. Yeah. So also uh, to add on to that, 
he won the he's won in the 24 hours of Le Mans in the GTE Pro class 2016. Also won the Rolex 24 in, in 2011 and 2017, and the 12 hours of Sebring in 2011 and 2012. So um, let's see what else does, do we have on him. Another interesting thing here is that it is going to be a Ford backed car. It's going to typically we're racing runs Mustangs, but this is er, not Mustangs, uh, Camaros, but this will be a Ford backed race car. And it also sounds like it's going to be prepared by Stuart Haas racing. So this is not going to be your typical Rick Ware racing car. And that's why I put it in here is because this is a very talented driver, very talented road course racer who is going to be in a good car. And I think we could have an AJ Allmendinger type situation on our hands where he drags that car to a really good run. I would not be surprised to see the 52 up front this weekend. It would, it would be it would be cool, and I uh, wouldn't mind it happening. Uh, even though I like Noah Gregson to win, but uh, hopefully he does well. This is in Cup Connor, not Xfinity. Yeah. So Noah Gregson isn't in the yeah conference. yeah yeah yeah. I just realized that. All right, number two on the list, Michael Annette, just this afternoon on Wednesday, it's 4.11 as we record this, announced that he is retiring from full-time competition at the end of the year, so he will leave Junior Motorsports, opening up the seat, or or clarifying the situation over there, so it looks like there are four full-time drivers next year will be Allgaier in the seven, Gregson in the nine, Barry in the eight, and Sam Meyer in the one car that looks like it's the plan at the moment so connor it's a little sad to see a net go he wasn't always the greatest but he was definitely very consistent yeah i think that's what he most known for consistency he never really won and i think with josh barry coming in filling with him well annette is out injured um you know he took that car and showed that you know it's winnable and uh just you know i feel like he's been the like an icon in the you know, when you think of Xfinity Series, you think of Allgaier, you know, just over the years, Allgaier and that, like those, you know, the kind of veterans of uh, that series. So, you know, sad to see him go, but I, I, I also think he wasn't – he really wasn't producing uh, with wins. And you're on a junior merch which equipment, which, you know, was capable of winning. So, um, sad to see him go, but um, excited for Josh Berry and what he uh, – his future is kind of replacing him. So, um Excited for him. Excited to see that go, but uh, um, I think it was time. Yes. And finally, we'll close out five on five, which is definitely uh, going longer than five minutes. Should Talladega add lights? Absolutely. They need to add lights. That needs to be the first thing NASCAR does this season, this all season, add lights. When they leave this week, they've left this week, start adding lights. Um, you saw, you know, rain always seems to hit. And if, you know, why not race at nighttime? You know, um, just rain hits that area really bad sometimes. And, you know, maybe the only gap is you can fit it in at night. You can start at eight. Um, that would be an option. Also, you see the light, you know, light you have, you know, NBC or Fox, whatever, uh, who's doing it. You know, sometimes it won't, they don't start till like 3.30. So, if you don't start till two or three, three thirty, you're just hoping that there's no major crashes and no what even like a shower, a pop up shower. And in Alabama or what, 
uh, Talladega just, you know, there could be a pop-up shower that, you know, only does a corner. And with that being a 20-minute red flag, that could shorten the race by 10 laps. So I think they really need to add lights, and I think it should be a, a big priority for NASCAR this offseason. There's a movie called Talladega Nights, and yet there are no races on Talladega Nights. I think that n- nothing more needs to be said. But, yeah, I think I think if they were to put in lights, we'd have a night race each year, which would just be phenomenal. Um, the Daytona, the, the Coke 400 at Daytona to end the regular season is one of the, the best races of the year, in my opinion, I think. It's under the lights. The intensity is high. Playoff race under the lights would be the same intensity at Talladega. It would be amazing. But, you know, it, it is expensive. I guess that would be the argument against, but I think, when you have one race a year, basically at this point, that's delayed till Monday at Talladega, it, I think you'd make that money back pretty fast when your fans actually stay. Yeah, and just with the weather there and how there could be a popular shower and how, you know, all these things, I I, I know the money is going to be a lot, but I think they will definitely make it back you know, relatively quickly. So, uh should be a big priority for NASCAR. Get those lights in Talladega together. Um, and there could be even more fans that want to come to a night race, uh, even. So um, big priority, and I really want to see a night race with uh, lights and that, those paint schemes shining off those lights in Talladega. So really want that to happen. I would love to see, like, a dusk race. They should do this at any track where they start at, like, 6 o'clock. And so it starts in the daylight and ends under the lights. It just, yeah. I think that would be fantastic. All right. That has been five on five or five in five. Um, Connor, you didn't time it this week, did you? No, because I figured we'd go over five minutes and I, I'm pretty sure we did. So, uh, yeah. If you guys, if you guys want to know how long it took us, just, you know, rewind, see how much time elapsed. But, uh, yeah, uh, that was five on five. I hope you guys enjoyed kind of a new segment the past couple of weeks. Let us know what you guys think. DM me, tell me what you guys think. Trying to, and maybe even some mini segments. We'll probably do a different mini segment next week, like Connor reacts to the uh, Rover or whatnot, but we'll see about that. So thank you guys uh, for the support. Um, we're going to head over to the second segment, which I'm really excited to talk about. NASCAR safety has really improved, and I, I want to break it down. It deserves to be uh, uh, deserves its attention. So uh, let's head over on the second segment where we'll talk about NASCAR's safety. <laughs> Welcome back to Equip It Podcast. You made the second segment on this week's show where we're going to talk about NASCAR safety and some very big crashes happened at Talladega that even, you know, vented the safer, safer barriers. And I think it's kind of the, the right time to talk about it. And it's really improved over the years. And I think it, you know, deserves some attention. I would completely agree. I think Gregson's hit was the, the biggest. That was such a massive hit. Connor, you want to describe what happened there? Yeah, so, you know, Gregson was on the bottom lane. I think it was going into three or four. Um, and, you know, a big shot, I forget who it was, um, big shot to the outside lane, you know, kind of like a big push. They get turned, head down, clip Gregson in the right rear, and it kind of sent him straight up into the wall. I mean, head on and one of the – biggest crashes I've ever seen happen. And I was like, 
I immediately thought, oh no, he's he's gotta be hurt. Like there was no way that he got out of that like unscathed. And after he got hit, he got sent it back down to the bottom and he got hit a couple more times and in the rear where the gas is. And I mean the whole back of the car was gone. But somehow, some way, the gas with all the gas didn't light the car on fire. And he ended up walking out of the car, climbing out of the car under his own power. And, like, you know, he wasn't, you know, it's racing. He kind of understood that it was racing. and But I was the biggest hit. And I, that safer Barry wasn't there if, you know, NASCAR's safety in the cars wasn't as up-to-date as it is now. He could have been seriously hurt, and he might not even be, be here right now. So I think NASCAR safety just saved a life this weekend. And there's a couple more instances in the trucks and stuff like that, but very big hit, and uh, it just shows how much NASCAR safety has improved over the years. Yeah, so so Gregson actually had, I think, three hits in that wreck. He hit the wall head-on, like probably about the same angle that Senior would have hit at, um, head-on in the car onto the wall, then coming back down, he gets plowed into by, I think it was Harrison Burton, but I'm not sure on the side. And then he comes back down and he gets hammered again, this time on the fuel tank side of the car around the apron. So three massive hits for Gregson and he stands up and walks away and does an interview five minutes later from outside the infield care center. So just really, really impressive on NASCAR's part that nobody got hurt. I mean, the last time someone got hurt from a crash would have been, uh, well, it would have been Newman last year. But, you know, that's the only incident in the Gen 6 era in which a driver got injured enough to miss the next race. Well, you had, you know, uh, who was it? Eric Amarillo in the 43 car a couple years ago at Texas or whatever, Kentucky. I'm talking about... I'm talking about the super speedways, though, which uh, has yeah. typically been the more dangerous. Yeah, and it's just, I immediately, like, I was like, I, had, I was texting Ethan, like, in the, you know, second by second there. I'm like, he's dead. Like, I literally said that. So I'm like, that, that's first what came to mind. The way he hit looked exactly like Dale Sr. And then he got hit a couple more times in the rear and the gas. Shocked that the car didn't tear up in flames because if it did and Gregson was hurt, Gregson might have not been able to get out on his own power and what's, you know, of course being fire there. So, I mean, incredible, incredible, incredible that he was not, he wasn't even hurt. Like he was like, didn't have any, you know, like straight up got out of the car and just walked right to the ambulance, you know, as you see in like a spin. So, I mean, unbelievable. NASCAR safety has come a long way and I, you know, it deserves its recognition because it, it probably saved Gregson's life. Probably saved a lot of drivers' lives. That um, you know, the first one that comes to mind is Newman last last season. But yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. The, the safety innovations, the Hans device, safer safer barrier, all the other stuff—they've all played a huge part in protecting the drivers, and it's it's a big part of why NASCAR is. is honestly, I think. If they hadn't done what they did after Senior's death, that if they had just kind of kept going and ignored it, I think that it would have really wrecked the sport because it would have just started becoming too dangerous. And But NASCAR took the right path. I think as much clowning as the car of tomorrow got, 
and um, the current generation car got for just being kind of ugly, honestly, and not really street, not really having any character. I think they saved a lot of lives. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And just, you know, I'm really, 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 you know, not a race car driver, but, you know, it's it's good to see that they've taken precautions and you know, saved and saving lives over the last, you know, decade and a half, two decades. So, uh, you know, great to see you. Also, big wreck in the Xfinity Series that bent the safer barrier, but, you know, both drivers were able to walk out of there okay. So, uh, just shows how much improvement has gone into safety, NASCAR safety the last, well, since, you know, juniors, that's 20 years ago. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and Bowman had a big hit in the cup race, too. Pretty close to Gregson's, just head on into the wall. He also walked away fine. So, really, really, really um, safe cars. And it's really good to see that everyone was okay. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable how much uh, it's it's grown over the past couple of years. Yes. So, Connor, unless you got anything else, this went a lot faster than we thought it was. But um, if you don't have anything else, we can move on to the third and final segment where we preview the Roval. Let's do it. All right. Coming up next, we will preview the Roval. As I just said, you're listening to the Quick Pit Podcast. <laughs> Welcome back to the Quick Pit Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan, joined as always by Connor, and we have arrived at the third and final segment of this week's show where we will preview one of typically the best races of the year at the Charlotte Roval, the hybrid oval and road course, one of the most unique, unique racetracks in the world and definitely on the NASCAR circuit. And, you know, Chase Elliott has dominated the last two years, but I think that with the playoffs, it is never ceases to be exciting. Yeah, let's go before we get into people that we look for. Let's go into track info. Uh, you know, uh, the Roval is you know the road course of the you know Charlotte Oval, normal uh, seen that in the six hundred. But you know it's a road course built in twenty sixteen. Uh, two and two point two eight miles long. Cautious people be forty five, and that's just you know normal weather, perfectly fine. Charlotte's weather this upcoming weekend in, uh, I believe it's Concord. Uh, yeah, I think it's in Concord. You know, there's a chance of rain on Saturday, um, um, a little bit Sunday morning. Cook could be able to get out of there uh, by race t- uh, green flag drops, but you never know with those. It could, you know, stay there a little bit longer. So rain is in the area, especially for the Xfinity Series. So, I think to watch out for going into this elimination race, who three four drivers are gonna be left behind and gonna go uh, be out of the playoffs, and the top eight are gonna move on to go, uh, you know, go get go compete for a championship. So, you know, rains rains in the area, and it's gonna be a great, 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 great race. And I already know whether that being whether that being with rain or not, uh, don't miss it. It's gonna be on. Uh, NBC again, so hopefully it doesn't get rained out so you can see on national television. So NBC, 2 o'clock, October 10th. You won't want to miss it. 106 laps, 252.88 miles. Don't miss it. Yes, so 
who are some drivers to watch out for? Obviously, there's only been three races run on this configuration. Ryan Blaney won the inaugural one, and then Chase Elliott has won the last two races at the Roval. Then on the Xfinity side, Chase Briscoe and AJ won the first one. AJ Allmendinger has won the last two, both of which are in the Cup race, I believe. Um, yes, Allmendinger is back in the 16 car this week. Um, as we mentioned in the first segment, Joey Hand in the 52 car for Rick Ware Racing. Timmy Hill will be back in the uh, in, in the 66, and Kyle Tilly will be in the 78 for BJ McLeod. So those are the, the non-regulars in the car, if you will. So um, do you think – I mean, Almondinger and Hand might make it interesting. Definitely Almondinger. Yeah, I would look out for Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson. Uh, Ryan Blaney, Chase Briscoe, all these guys have won a road course this year or have been up front, you know, even Michael McDowell. So um, just any guy that, you know, does well in road courses, road courses evens the competition, and any of these guys can end up, you know, pull into victory, victory lane at the end of the day. And, you know, um, you know, lobby, there's going to be beating and banging, but uh, it's, it's, it's going to be fun. And any guy, I mean, I mean, it could be anybody. I mean, any person that's on this lineup, maybe except for uh, Rick Rowe Racing and Starcom, but uh, just anybody has a chance of winning. So it's going to be fun to watch. And I, I would like to tell you who's going to be on – you should play on your fantasy, but it really could be anybody. So maybe give your main guys a, a week off. So um, you only have five uses in the a playoff. So really anybody. Really anybody. With that, Connor, um, I believe I get to pick first this week. So, uh, I'm sure you can guess who I'm going to pick, and that will be the nine car of Chase Elliott. Who is series pick? We'll start with series first, Connor. So, Ethan's going to go with Chase Elliott. I'm going to say series pick first because I just uh, had Siri. She's actually going with William Byron. She thinks William Byron's going to win and get in uh, to that round of eight. And you already know who I'm going with. I'm going with Alex Bowman because Alex Bowman needs to win. He's going to get it. He's been the best driver at the Roval. Average finish of like 4.5, something like that. And he's going to finally get one done. And he's going to be there at the end. And he's going to win this race. And he's going to move on to the round of eight. Yes. I don't think none of those are bad picks. I mean, as I mentioned before, Byron has two poles this season at road courses. So he's shown a lot of speed just on, on straight speed. Now he hasn't had the performances to back it up, but he definitely has shown that he can be fast at the, at the squiggly tracks. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's one way to put it. Yes. Yeah, so, um, I mean, don't count out Timmy Hill. He got fifth place in a stage last year at the Roval. I mean, he, he's a real threat that, that Timmy. Totally. Especially with that rain coming. Yes. All right, Connor, I want to debut one new segment this week, and I'm going to tentatively call it, I don't know. Um, let's, call it, let's call it the weekend highlight. So what was, in your opinion, the best moment of the weekend for, for, for the NASCAR races? It's got to be Tate Fogelman dumping John Hernumachek for the win and wrecking across the line. Yeah, that car was torn up. They had to tow that into victory lane on the back of a hauler. 
All right, I uh, think. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think that's the best moment. Just you know, it's always cool when a car when you win and your car's in a on the hook or on the flatbed being carried to victory lane. I think I think I think you'll take it if your car, if your car wrecked, but yeah, uh, you gotta win with it. Um, I, I think it's done its job. One thing I did think about since that's a small team, if would it have been like do the winning do the winnings for winning the race, the earnings, the, the purse money for winning the race, does that do you break even if you have to junk a car? Like well that car was junk no matter what. That thing had you know fenders pulling away from it and that car was in a wreck or something like that. So I mean, it, it's probably never gonna be used again. So I, I think I think it's I think it got its earnings back because Tate Fogelman on Instagram, uh yeah, just a couple hours before the race said at Talladega today, looking for a good finish, like a top 10 finish. He was, you know, pointing out, and everybody in the comments was like, first place is pretty strong. Yeah, I would say so. You can't really, you can't really improve from first place, can you? All right. My uh, weekend highlight has got to be um, Brandon Brown winning the Xfinity Series race. It may have ended under darkness, but seeing how excited he was for that, knowing how much that meant to that team for his first career Xfinity Series win, it sure, surely was something special to see. Um, let's go, Brandon. Yeah, it was a great weekend. Connor, you know, actually, I'm not going to bring that up. You, you know what they were really saying, though, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I can't believe that that announcer that the 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 woman interviewing him didn't didn't catch on to that. But that that's uh, we're gonna skip over that. Um, but uh, look it up if you want to. So Connor, you want to close the show out? Yes. Thank you guys for listening. It was another good podcast. Can't wait for next week with the elimination race at Roval. We're gonna recap that next week. So make sure you stick around for that. Share with your friends and family. All the links for our sponsors on Cincy, our Twitter, everything in the description. Go follow us. Go subscribe to the Cincy's channel. It's all worth it. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week for an epic race. I already know it's going to be epic. So uh, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week on the Quip Pit Podcast. I'm really surprised that you didn't rant about Ricky Stenhouse wrecking Alex Bowman. I'm really proud of you, Connor. You have definitely matured this season.